Good morning and welcome to the Reorg Primary View, which features incisive interviews and insight on issues impacting distressed debt, leverage finance, direct lending, high yield, municipals, covenants, private credit, private equity, middle market, and private debt. In this week's episode, we're proud to welcome Christopher Maloney. Mr. Maloney is a grizzled veteran of over a quarter century in the quarters of capitalism, having worked for Prudential Securities, Lehman Brothers, and Newberger Berman, and most recently and currently at the Bank of Oklahoma Financial, where he is their mortgage strategist. Now, during one stretch of this fascinating life's journey, Mr. Maloney and I were thrown together, sitting elbow to elbow for seven years, staring at screens full of prices divisible by six. Of course, I'm a proud son of the Deep South, and he's a native of the Bronx, so we required subtitles for the first four. Okay, Mr. Maloney, thank you for joining us. Housing is, of course, one of the major drivers of economic activity in this fair land of freedom, the American dream and all that. Lately, though, there's been some headwinds. Mortgages are at a 30-year high. Um, what is going on, and why is it going on? First of all, thank you for having me. And it's good to uh, link up again. It's always good to hear your voice. And uh, if, if you look at mortgage rates right now, they're over 7%. And, and that strikes people as very, very high because they've increased very quickly. At the end of last year, they were 3.35% was where the 30-year mortgage rate is at. Now, right now, 7%, while it seems like a lot, the reason is People still remember, not even a little over two years ago, the mortgage rate was at 2.75%, which was a record low. But people need to understand that was a historic aberration that was brought on just because of Fed monetary policy moves. However, that being said, even though 7% on a historical basis is still a very low 30-year lending rate, that's... That brings us a dramatic increase in monthly prepayments as things stand now. So you look at the skyrocketing out of cost for any would-be American homeowner to purchase a home now. The median price for an existing home sale is about $400,000. That compares to $314,000 back in January 2021 when lending rates were at record lows. So the necessary down payment has increased, if you want to get to your 20%, has increased by $21,500. In addition, your monthly payment on that home has shot higher. In January 2021, the median price of an existing home is $314,000, assuming a 20% down payment and that 2.75% rate, your monthly mortgage payment was about $1,000. Now, an existing home's median price, about $400,000 with your 20% down payment. Your mortgage per month is about $2,000. And that's before property taxes, maintenance, keeping your idiot neighbor's dog out of your rose bushes. So what that's going to do now, we've seen home prices slow down because people are less able to afford a house at 7% than they are at 2 and 3 quarter percent. So we believe that you're going to see housing demand go down the price spectrum from the higher priced homes to the lower priced homes in each area. But this is what happened during QE4. The Fed poured $3.1 trillion of buying power directly into the mortgage market. 
that easily beats all three previous quantitative easing episodes combined. So we're just getting back to normal is basically my point. Okay, well, thank you. That's interesting. Um, I guess I sort of remember 2008, 2009. You probably do as well. So I guess what people are going to, the question that comes to mind, are we on the verge of a collapse like we saw in those years? I'm, I'm a fixed income person by nature. I've been that way my entire career. So by my nature, I'm a, I'm a glass half empty type of guy, but I will admit a, a housing collapse, a repeat of what we saw after the great financial crisis is not something that keeps me awake at night. If you remember between the, the high in 2006 to the bottom in 2017, on a national, 2013, excuse me, on a national basis, home prices fell in total about 33%. Now, there's reasons I don't think that happened. I'll take it one step at a time. This most recent housing mania we had was a perfect storm. So a confluence of very easy money from the Fed, the QE4 I spoke to, you had a desperate limited supply of homes. And at the same time, you had people fleeing from the urban areas to get away from COVID. Now, by limited supply, unlike back in the 2008, 2009, we're about three to four million single family homes short in this country right now. The reason being, if you look at the QE era, QE started back in it was 2010, I believe is when it kicked off, if memory serves. The QE era with the zero interest rate policy has been an absolute disaster the single family home starts in this country. And I don't use that word disaster lightly. If you look at the average home building in every decade since the 1950s, from 2010 through 2019, the average annual rate of home building fell to about 680,000 units per year. The average in the 50 years prior to that was about 1.1 to 1.2 million single family home starts a year. So the supply of new homes just isn't out there right now on a national basis. So that will help keep a floor under prices. In addition to that, if you look at this latest housing mania, I refer to it as the rich man's housing boom. What happened at the very beginning is mortgage lenders, they tightened credit. And that, that's what you're supposed to do into a housing mania. They were actually very prudent this time. If you look at the debt to income ratios of homeowners, you look at the FICO score of homeowners, they never deteriorated like they did in the boom back during the great financial crisis when you could get a mortgage just because you fogged the mirror. Credit standards right now still remain tight. They're still tightening standards. And this is a good thing. This is prudence. So for, you know, if you're investing in homes on a national basis, I expect home prices will slow. I expect home price appreciation of zero to negative 5% next year. But bottom line is I do not expect a wave of foreclosures and for selling this time around. Again, this was a rich man's housing boom. Another thing going forward, this will cause is mobility is going to drop. You have a lot of people out there in very low um, mortgage rates right now. They'll be reluctant to give up. 
And, you know, people still remember 10, 15 years ago what happened in housing. So people are a lot more cautious than they were back in the day. Okay, well, thank you. Very interesting. I guess, um, what does this mean? I, I guess two, two things, both for consumers, who are, of course, the big driver of the American economy, and what does it mean for investors? If there's an undersupply of, of housing, that would augur well for the home builders and for others in, uh, the, in related inter- industries, wouldn't it? You'd think for home builders themselves, it's funny because now you look at the last 15 years when they just literally, they well, not literally, but they, they really stopped building homes in a, in, a, in a dramatic fashion. So I think one of the reasons home builders are under stress, because you, you look at, for example, California, a regular, everyday, boring three-bedroom ranch in the San Jose area goes for about $1.2 million dollars. That should have every single home builder within the United States piling their workforce into vans and heading out to the West Coast. But they're not. Why not? Why are so many locales within the United States desperately short of housing? And this is not an economic, it's not a market failure. It's what I call a political failure. A lot of reasons homes aren't being built is because they're simply not allowed to between regulations, taxes, California, again, they are the poster boy for not letting anybody build anything for any reason. You look at their urban areas, L.A., San Francisco, most of the landmass in those cities are only zoned for single family housing, which with that type of population density, that makes it prohibitively expensive both to build and to own a home. So that's the deal with home builders. One thing I believe you're going to see is that the demand for housing is going to go down further down the price spectrum because what i alluded to before with your average mortgage monthly payment skyrocketing people instead of going for the eight hundred thousand seven hundred thousand dollar house are going to start looking at the five hundred thousand dollar house six hundred thousand dollar house i believe that's where your demand is going to go and another thing that's going to happen is the mobility as i alluded to is going to start dropping because people are sitting on very low interest rates and they're looking around at houses and thinking, I don't want to catch a falling knife buying a house now. So you're going to see home improvement stocks, in my view, will actually benefit from this because if you're not going to move, you might as well fix up your house. You might as well add an extension. So that's one thing we might see going forward. If you're investing in mortgage lenders, such as Quicken, Loan Depot, There's going to be a lot of stress in the mortgage lending industry going forward because the last two years were an absolute feast from QE4. It jolted the housing market. That's what happens when you pour trillions of dollars right directly into a sector. It booms. But if you look at 2020 and 2021 in terms of both gross and net production for agency mortgage bonds, they average about three times the run rate that you saw in the previous half decade. So there's going to be a dramatic slowdown in the business they see. There's going to be a lot of layoffs and consolidations in that industry. If you look the past two quarters for independent mortgage bankers, their gross profit per loan was negative. Last quarter, it was negative $600 per loan. Two years ago, it was positive $5,550 
Cologne. What's happened within their industry, what they look at is the refinancings have dried up because mortgage rates were artificially put, put so low that so many Americans right now have no incentive to refinance their mortgage or cash out. So in turn, the mortgage lenders themselves have no business to do. If, if you look just at Americans in 30-year mortgages right now, about one third of the unpaid balance of all 30 year mortgages are sitting with Americans who are paying 3% or less on their mortgages. Previous to QE4, nobody paid that low. So you have a dramatic lock in of homeowners who have no incentive to refinance. So if you're looking at mortgage lenders over the next few years, I would look at ones who have a lot of cash on their balance sheet and also ones who have a lot of what we call mortgage servicing rights. That gives you the right to service a mortgage. They're the ones that get your monthly check, divide it up, keep track of your mortgage, and you tend to get a mortgage servicing fee for that. And that's the ones that'll be able to keep themselves afloat going forward. All right, thank you, interesting. <clears throat> now, um, I guess the big question is, for a lot of people thinking about, a couple of weeks ago, we had a somewhat tame CPI print. And of course, this morning we saw the US PMI move into recessionary territory. That was at least in November. And so some market participants are starting to think that, well, maybe in December's meeting, the Fed will only increase 50 basis points rather than 75. Of course, then we've seen a number of the governors, Bullard, I think, uh, be trotted out to make the usual bearish noises. Uh, do you have a sense about high? about how high Fed funds will get and uh, when the Fed, the Fed may pivot back to an easier money regime? I think when I sit with a lot of our clients, speak to a lot of our clients, one thing I believe is dangerous for the market, where, why, where current yields are right now, is everybody is desperately waiting for the Fed to refill the punch bowl and come riding to the rescue of security markets. And that's an understandable thought, because if you look over the past you know, decade and a half, that's exactly the Fed's mode of operation. Every time there's a slowdown on Wall Street, they come piling back into the market. The difference between now and then is even with the CPI surprise on the low side, 7.7% annualized CPI is not something the Fed can ignore. They cannot pivot to start easy money policy again anytime soon. So I'm looking at a terminal rate right now, in my view, of 5.5% Fed funds target by the end of the first quarter, because I believe you might see CPI again, assuming the Fed doesn't pivot between now and then. I think you'll see CPI readings in around the 5% arena by then, because if you watch the money supply, the money supply over the past six months has dropped dramatically. During QE4, the overall money supply in this country shot about 42% higher just in two years. That is a mind-boggling increase in the amount of purchasing power pushed into the economy. Now, the Fed can very easily jolt purchasing power. They have the ability to do that because they can create bank reserves out of absolutely nothing. But that only affects the demand side of things, not the supply side. And they jammed so much new money supply into the economy, which was supply constrained due to all the lockdowns. And that sparked the inflation you see now. 
besides that, if you watch, everyone's looking at PPI, CPI, because that's what the news and that's what Congress looks at. But the Fed itself, they watch PCE core. That's their favorite inflation gauge. And if you look at that gauge, it has increased over the past two readings to 5.2% annualized. That next reading comes out on December 1st. And I believe that is the one you should keep an eye on because that's the one the Fed uses to guide itself. And that being said, the Fed, is, the Fed we have now is a very, very, very cautious entity when it comes to reducing accommodation. When it comes to granting accommodation, all bets are off. They, they, they're very, very aggressive, but they are the opposite now. So I believe at this point, they're raised to 5.5% terminal rate by the end of the first quarter. And between that and the roll-off from its immense balance sheet that it accumulated during QE4, they will sit on their hands and see how inflation reacts going forward from there. I do not expect, expect any Fed easing anytime soon, at least until the second half of next year. And that all depends, again, on what inflation is going to do. Both Powell and all the governors have been adamant. Price stability comes first before anything else. And in that, I agree with them. QE4, in my view, is a horrendous mistake. And right now, with the tightening, the Fed is cleaning up the mistake they made. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Mr. Maloney. A lot to brood on there as we battle the trip to Fan Hayes from all the leftover turkey. Appreciate your time, and we will see what happens. And thank you for listening, folks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.